Welcome to Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Elaine. And I am Scoop Magoo. And uh, we've got an interesting episode. I think Indeed. interesting is probably the, the, the best word to describe this. Yeah. Because, god damn, I, did, I don't think I knew what I was getting into. I mean, I kind of did, but, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, it's so... Interesting we've talked about this band a number of times, but never... Like, we've mentioned them because they've influenced artists we've talked about, and in general, we said, yeah, we really should check them out, and... Yeah. All that entire time, I I mean, until I pressed play on these albums, I, you know, I had no idea what, you know, what this band sounded like or anything like that. I, I was that vaguely band. familiar, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we're talking about The Residents. Um, yeah. The avant-garde art collective, The Residents, famous for their eyeballs and hats, and uh that was generally that was one of my favorite parts of uh of researching them was just like wow what a what a fun some fun sta- stage guard i i i <laughs> love that like i i i just find that whole look so iconic yeah like it's it's just like like nobody else can replicate that mm-hmm. in in the same way without like evoking that in a way so uh basically yeah so scott and i are not uh, well versed with the residents, or at least we, I, I would still say, compared to just the amount of albums and just stuff they have, and the amount of information about them that's out, I would say we're not well versed. But uh, we we sort of spent the last week poking our heads into the proverbial molehills um, that that is that are the residents, uh, basically. Um, <laughs> man, it was. It was some odd listening. Uh, yeah, I, I will say, sure. uh, Primus makes complete sense to me now. Um, yeah, oh my gosh, I'm so so. Yeah. Some some albums. There's one album in particular. It, it, that was, was, oh my. it was Duck Stab that that oh, yeah. I'm, I'm they, glad they, it they covered me. like two album two songs from Duck Stab off of uh, Frizzle Fry. Yeah. But um, we're we're gonna talk about everything in chronological order. But I will say that I actually listened to them in this order. So I did uh, Duck Stab commercial album, not available, and Meet the Residents. So I almost went in reverse chronological order. Now oh, that I think about it. Um, but yeah, so that was just my order. Uh, out of curiosity, how many times did you listen to each? Yeah, I did my typical, you know, two times. You know, two yeah. times each run through. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, my overall take was, uh, and to stick with me on this because it, it kind of works, it kind of doesn't in some ways. I'll explain you, you, it, you got, you saw my text anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me, this sounded like a mashup of they might be giants, Primus, and just like an all star lineup from like the seventies crowd rock and psych rock scene. And the, I could see that they might be giants. I mean, Primus, as we'll talk about when we talk about these albums, like, you're right. It makes so much sense now, especially Duck Stab. Yeah. It just really, like, it, it's crazy how much is like, wow, that, like, even if I, yeah. you know, even if I hadn't, um, you know, if I'd stumbled upon these these albums and we'd never talked about the fact that Primus was influenced by Residents, I, that would have immediately popped into my head. Um, yeah. But yeah, the They Might Be Giants comparison is I think there are some... Maybe like 
avant pop or like avant um I don't know. There's that like quirky, almost like there's some there's some melodic elements in their music, but specifically, yeah. kind of the short vignette approach that they take a lot. Even in their longer compositions, it feels like a lot of ideas kind of you know jumping around, and that's very much they might be giants. You know, they they have a ton of their albums are usually dominated by short. I felt the structure was very similar, so I'm curious if. You know, they might be giants were influenced by influenced by the residents, and and thinking back now, I feel like they had an incredibly wide reaching influence. You know, and now, now that I'm thinking back to yeah. some of the more experimental acts that we've listened to, and just you know, some that you know I'm fond of, I can totally see them being a a seminal act. In I mean, obviously they're a seminal act, but I think you know sometimes. Sometimes you don't hear it as much. Like we, we talk a lot about, you know, artists being inspirational, but not necessarily on like a musical level, you know, like, or, or it doesn't translate into newer artist music. But I think you can hear a lot of like the weird, you know, avant-garde tendencies that they laid out. Um, and, and they were, yeah. they were a pretty early band. I don't know, for some reason, I, I pegged them as mainly like an 80s and onward band. But obviously, you know, we're talking about Beat the Residents, which I think was, was their debut. 74. Yeah, so they they really were in the heart of the you know the seventies you know experimental rock scene. So um, yeah, it's yeah. uh yeah. Well, it's funny you bring up just sort of influence because uh, you know Meet the Residents they end up you know basically defacing you know an album of one of the most famous bands in history. Yeah, uh, just taking the whole yes. Meet the Beatles album cover and just drawing on it, which I love. I I love this album cover. Um, I think it's hilarious. Uh. But, so, yeah, let, let's just... Oh, I, I do want to mention, because I, I just realized this uh, before we started, that and I texted it to you, but just that uh, basically the residents are, are just... They're, they're, they're just the Pink Elephant song from Dumbo, in, in, in my opinion. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because th- that, that's an awesome song. It's just, like, a lot of what I heard throughout every album, like, you know, that, that kind of creepy darkness but also kind of like this showman vaudeville cabaret-esque presence yes oh. you know like it's just like all of that just feels like dumbo to me just it just feels uh, like the pink elephant song because it's just it's just as surreal as well <laughs> it's really interesting because we like we haven't even dived into the or dove dovin divin whatever we have we have not started talking about the actual albums and and so many of my notes were just like organically on the same page about like i wrote down especially meet the residents it was almost like a a bunch of like drifters broke into like a, a vintage cabaret and just started like banging around on the instruments like it just it felt <laughs> like and that was something that permeated a lot of these albums i think pretty much all of them but i think duck stab was the most somewhat i mean calling their music straightforward is definitely i don't think that's super accurate but it felt like the most i, it, it, I think structurally it's it feels pretty straightforward at least when yeah. we get to some of the later albums that we're talking about yeah um, but yeah. I, I think for me it was like some of some of the vocals sounded very like muppet-esque and it, there was some of yeah the, some, some like tones and some timbres. that's kind of why i you know did the they might be giants comparison there's some that didn't feel like avant pop or like some of the like they were almost um lampooning popular i mean literally on meet the residents they they you know are making fun of 
the Beatles, but like they're kind of taking a wildly adventurous approach to the rock and pop of the day. But also there's just a slight sinister edge to it all. Um, and, yeah. And I think that kind of manifests in... Um, I, this is an avant-garde. Like it didn't feel like they were trying to be experimental necessarily. It just felt like they were they're just weird dudes that were just having fun being weird. Like I didn't yeah. feel like they were... I don't know. Maybe I'm... I mean... I feel like I'm reading, maybe reading too much into this, but it just felt like that they were having a lot of fun and that this wasn't, yeah, definitely. Um, this wasn't anything like, like they were trying to have like a grandiose experimental idea. They just like were making some really, cause I mean, all of this was really fun. Like so, some of the yeah. avant-garde experimental music we listened to is like very serious or like very intense, but I, I just, I, I enjoyed all these albums. I thought it was a great time and I yeah, never, I... never knew what was coming next. So, I have a slightly different opinion. I'm not going to say any album here is bad, like because like on the whole, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's I I think it's just that, you know, the residents have a shtick kind of, and you know you you either you either love it or you don't. And I I I I would say I like it. Uh, I just yeah. I I think you know just listening to I only listened to these once each, and even that was a lot uh, for me because yeah. I, I, I think. What were you going to say? Oh, just say, real quick, I will say there, there's one aspect of their sound I that maybe bothered me would be the right, but there's one aspect of their sound I would, did not care for that one of these albums really brought out in, in, in full force. So we'll get to that. But in general, in general, yeah. I'm positive on their music. Yeah, I, um, I, l- l- let's just get into it. So Meet the Residents. Yeah. Um, I actually listened to this thing last, so I, I really don't have a ton of thoughts on it because I was kind of already burnt out <laughs> in a way that I was just like, Oh my God, like wh- why the vocals and like kind of like that, which I don't get me wrong. I like the vocals. It's just, I, I pretty much listened to like two albums in a row and then the next day, another two albums in a row. And it, I think it's just like, I, I, I don't think my mind could take it. It'd be, it'd be like if I tried to listen to like <laughs> the entirety of Beefheart's discography in a day, yeah, like it's 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 not like any of it is bad, or I, I mean, I guess there are some bad Beefheart albums, but I I personally haven't listened to them yet. But my my point is just that like, you know, it's it's you know a lot of one thing is not always the best. Like you know, I I love the Mars Volta, but I couldn't listen to like two Mars Volta albums in a single day. It would just drive me insane. Yes, um, I feel you. I, I I mean maybe that's just because I'm I'm kind of impatient when it comes to sort of um music and things like that that like you know i i I like variety too much but anyway like talking about the actual music on here it's just like we said it it just feels like like that cabaret type of sound i i i guess i don't really understand the whole avant-garde label because it it, it just didn't, like, I mean, uh, to me, avant-garde implies that they're taking, uh, like, a novel approach to the sound, where it felt more like they were just doing wacky things. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't I think the two that. are mutually exclusive, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I, I guess it's more like, it, it's like, what the hell would you even call these guys? You know? You know, it, it's I, I I think maybe that's more of the issue. Not to say that they don't do avant-garde things, because our next album I feel like was a really good foray into that. But like, 
it just I think maybe it's just so weird that people are like, oh yeah, let's just stick it here. In avant garde. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, mean, that's where we put all the stupid stuff, and it's like it's not stupid. It's it's, it's just odd. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that um, there's a distinction between like just weird or strange, and then experimental, and then avant garde. Um, which I mean, that may, that might be a topic for a full episode at some point. Th- that that is something I really like to talk about because yeah. I always feel like like there are people who argue that there's a difference between experimental and avant garde. I don't really know. Part of me doesn't really care because they're just labels. Yeah, <laughs> but so yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I guess I would say just generally like weird or strange because I don't know. I don't know if I would even describe Primus as necessarily avant garde because I think that a lot of their music is very. You can very clearly put it within, you know, like a rock, alt-rock structure. It, they just they just do it in a weird way. It's just and interesting think, to bring up Primus because, like, their even people's description of their of like what genre Primus plays is is like a like a uh, note of contention. You know, yeah. it, it's a contentious subject. Yeah, um, the, the one so I never it, liked is. Um, and people say they're like funk rock. Which like, yeah, I know. I think I, that's stupid. It's like okay, it's, it, it's just like, because they have bass does not mean yeah, exactly. Like, like this, d- funk. just because you can actually hear their bass in the mix, <laughs> yeah, doesn't exactly. mean they're a funk band. It's 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 a very interesting how because even on rate your music, I think they're called like they're listed as funk. Yeah, funk rock or something. I, like that. I, I think like, it's just like you know it 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 feels like a regular type of like. Um, like sort of trade off of civilization that like, you know, sure you have all this technology and everything, but everything has to be in its box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I I so like I said, I don't really have much to say about the music because this is probably the most forgettable to me. I, I was I was literally just like playing some Rocket League to this thing, and and yeah. just frankly just kind of wishing it was over. Um, it, it, not to say like. Because I, I didn't not enjoy it. It was just, it, it, it was a lot to take in. Yeah, it's interesting that you listened to it last, I listened to it first, and we kind of arrived at the same conclusion. I definitely don't think, mm. I don't. this wasn't my least favorite. There's, you know, one we'll get to later was my least favorite. Yeah. The most issues with. But even that album was more memorable because there were, you know, I was focusing on the things I didn't like. Whereas this, yeah, it, uh, even exactly. though I listened to it first, the subsequent albums I felt like did more interesting things with, the formula that they were you know that they were running with so interesting yeah. that we we did kind of take the um we, we arrived at the same conclusion even though we listened to them you know at different points yeah and i mean process. i i definitely wouldn't mind revisiting this at some point it's, it's just i i think it's like next time i listen to the resonance i'm not going to go on like a marathon <laughs> yeah but but i think that i think that you know the, the general um, idea of just like their music being a lot. I mean, there's a lot, and I want to dive into kind of a subset of that idea later. But it's just that when you put this on, really, it's it's like a journey. Like it, it felt like, um, just I mean, I don't know how much they improvised or wrote, but it felt like some of this they were just kind of they improvised a ton of ideas and then either stitched them together to make songs or you know kind of listen back to what they'd done and then you know kind of took kept what they wanted and redid it because it felt like there was just a lot of 
a, a lot of interplay here at least where they just kind of were trying stuff out and just having fun with it and being weird um, yeah and it, it, it's a lot because <laughs> you're listening to it you're like wow like this is there's just there's so many ideas they're throwing at you in just a relative because none of these albums were i think all of them are around the 40 minute mark so it's not like yeah, this is an album. they're all up there yeah but it, i i think uh felt... yeah duck stab is the shortest at uh 34 minutes but yeah yeah, but they they all felt longer than, um, than they were to me at least, and, and you know, it, it's it's partially just because there was so many. You know, when I've talked before about, you know, grindcore sometimes feeling long just because there's so many different ideas. Like just because there were there was so many different things they tried out, it felt yeah, like longer because there was so many things that they wanted you to focus on. But. You're packing a lot in a relatively, you know, short frame, I guess. Um, Okay, yeah. I I guess let's just move on to our next album. Yes. Okay. Which I, uh, I, which is I, you know what? I tried to find it on Apple Music, but it said it it's it wasn't available. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were serious for a second. I, I, like... I love I I love that. I thought that was like a softball, but I got you for like a split second, and I'm like more proud of that than I should be. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- this is uh, not available. Um, I guess this was intended to be their second album, but uh, there were a couple that got uh, that. Like, I guess this was shelved for a little bit. Um, I I'm gonna say right now, I liked this one the most. Um, it it felt like it had the most cohesion, sort of in it. Like, it felt like it was actually sort of centered musically around something um you know it it had that that synth like that that synth riff that would just keep popping up from time to time as like a motif almost um it was just really interesting to listen to there are parts of it that were just they just felt deeply disturbing in in like a very very strange way yeah, especially for for me the the repeating um, synth yeah. motif that just you know kept over like that kind of felt like almost like if, if Twin Peaks had kind of shifted the decades that they kind of call from like it felt like you're listening or you you it was the soundtrack for like a musical or TV show where like that kind of like refrain kept popping back and it was interesting because it never felt. Like sometimes when bands reuse things, if there's like a reprise or something like that, it's not. It's either, it either doesn't have much impact or it's a little annoying. I thought it fit in really well every time it, it came. Yeah, up. and it yep. especially which is especially commendable because the the album just you like all the other albums you listen to was just kind of trying out ideas left and right. So the fact that that same refrain made sense no matter where it came up in the album was was really really cool. Yeah, it it was really interesting to listen to um you know and i think that like probably the most grating thing about the residents overall to me has been sort of the vocals like there are times mm-hmm. when it, it's fun you know but i i think it, it's a shtick that kind of wears off very mm-hmm. easily um you know but here i felt like it was it was reined in to a certain degree and i felt like it was like it, it wasn't it, it was used wisely is what mm-hmm. I guess I'm trying to say. Uh, as opposed to some of the other albums that were just like, oh, fuck it, let's just do a weird vocal here that, like, we, we like, you know, that that's just <laughs> bizarre for the sake of it. Which is yeah. kind of, I 
sort of the thing I'm wondering sometimes is like, do you wonder whether they had some sort of idea going like, like, you know, like when it comes to the sort of the whole um, aesthetics of the band, you know, just the weirdness and everything. I, I, I wonder how much of it was just them being like, like, I, I, I generally wonder like how serious they were about it. Cause like, I, I, I could see someone, I could see someone being very serious about this. Um, just because, you know, that's kind of where avant-garde music and like avant-garde art just kind of seems to have a home is just like taking everything seriously in a way. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I just have no idea. It was just something I kept, I kept like running through over and over again in my head. Yeah, it's a really good, I mean, just based on, you know, just listening to it myself, it just kind of felt like they were having fun and, and I, that almost made me appreciate it more because um, I think that if I had the sense or if I had, you know seen some indication that they were like uber serious and like you know they had so much meaning behind their music I think I would enjoy it less only because um, it it really just sounds like they're having fun I you know obviously that that's not like a sound like a, a direct target that you you can you know point to specific things but just the number of ideas they tried and just the, the, the vocals and the, the way that they shift between ideas and, and kind of genres in a way, kind of within the same framework, though. It felt like they were really just trying out a bunch of stuff and seeing what stuck, which made me wonder what what did their what did the cutting room floor look like for them? Like, yeah. what, what, what ideas did they hold back? Because they there's just so much going on here. I, I'd be curious to... I'd be curious to hear what they do yeah, not, not I, good to just, include. And not saying the stuff they include is bad, but just that there's a lot of stuff they include that's just really all over the map. Yeah. I, I think especially considering just how how prolific they, they were. Um, I, I guess they, they're still around, technically, but, you know, it's definitely not... I don't know, it just doesn't seem to have the same energy with, like, newer albums. Um, it, it just feels like people's uh, interests lie more with like you know this early material. Uh, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this thing. This was a lot of fun to listen to. Um, this is probably the only album out of the ones we listened to that I, I actually plan on buying at some point. To be totally honest, uh, yeah. Again, not not to say that the other ones were bad. It's just yeah. you know, yeah. I would um, say this was my 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 second favorite, and it was a close second. I, and I, a note that I wrote down, which you know we talked about previously, and we'll talk about again with you know one of our last two albums, is th- this kind of felt like a a real album, which is a weird thing to say, but <laughs> well, like it's it, it's there's definitely a concept to it. Like there's definitely a story yeah. going on. Exactly. And, and I, again, I listened to these chronologically, so I listened to it right after Meet the Residents. And to me, it felt like, it, it kind of felt like night and day in the sense that they really did jump from a collection of vignettes, which were interesting, but not necessarily linked and, and didn't always hit equally successfully um, into an album. that act, It felt like an album that actually felt like a cohesive collection of thoughts and ideas. Um, so, yeah. and again, I liked Meet the Residents, but eventually, because of that fact, the 
next three albums we're talking about, including this one, just felt more memorable and felt more cohesive as a result. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that yeah. this would be a close second. Um, honestly, I'm looking forward to just, you know, take a macro view. I'm looking forward to buying or looking for um, a few of these albums. Resident or just albums. In, in general. I feel like I need to own at least one resident CD because I, I enjoy this exploration, you know, overall. Yeah. I, I mean, it- these explorations, like you know, are always fun. Like even if, like, like even I remember when we did our Devin, uh, our Devin Townsend one. You know, I didn't really like pretty much any of the albums from that, but like I enjoyed, I enjoyed the ride. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, and I and I feel like there's a lot still to sort of dig into here. It's not like this is. Um, I mean, it, it can be immediately satisfying, but I feel like it's one of those like. I feel like they're one of those groups whose discography sort of reveals itself with many listens. Um, yeah, no, but, no, for sure. And I think e- even two listens wasn't like, I feel like there's a lot more that I unpack here. I mean, the same thing, you know, I listened to uh, Tagomago by can a number of times on Spotify before buying it on vinyl. And I felt like, you know, listening to it, for, you know, third, fourth plus time on vinyl, really. Oh yeah, the, especially the that like that album. I feel like you're always there's always something new that you discover with that album. Yeah, at least for, for me, whenever I have it on. And especially, I think I've said before that it's cool for that era to have have it on vinyl, just because usually the the long twenty plus minute songs they're on one side, and you can really you can put it on and focus on that one side, and then it, you know it ends when the side ends. Uh, that was especially true for Tagomago because, you, you know, the, the the latter half after you you get past it, you know Indigata, um, no, what what's the long song? Not Indigata Davida. Like on on the first half, there's that last. I'm getting mixed up with Iron Butterfly, which which I, actually I, is on Tagomago. You're saying yeah. There's the, the, um, the there's the final it, it, before it gets to the really weird second half of the album. It's like the really so long Paper House Mushroom. Oh yeah. Hallelujah and Ogman Peking O and Bring Me Coffee or Tea. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's um, this is a bit of a diversion, obviously, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just the, the oh, yeah, it, it is, yeah, because the, the, the first three songs they're relatively long, but they all have kind of a you know, like a, a psychedelic groove to them, but then it's it's Hallelujah that's like 18 minutes and just does a huge long jam. But then when you yeah. get to Omega, like those last ones, that's on LP number two, and just listening to those, you know, right right on the face of it. And I feel like with the residents, that's not so much. I don't know if that's. I mean, I don't know how they they would press it on vinyl or anything like that. But it's interesting that even on their longer songs, it feels like you know they have a, a number of songs in these albums that are just really short, like really short, punchy ideas. But other others. Even on their longer songs, it, it feels like a collection of ideas that is just you know, yeah. stitched together. It, to, in a, in a I, I think in these later albums, which speaking of, let's just move to Duckstab, yeah, uh, which is our next album. But uh, just I think these last two albums, frankly, um, they speak a lot more to that. That like every one of these is pretty short, uh, you know, or at least like like the track lengths themselves. Especially with our last one, they're very short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, we're talking about Duck Stab, nineteen seventy eight. So it actually came out after not available, like just like a few months after it, I think. Um, and 
I love the album cover as well. It's it's yeah, such it's a, like cool. a diabolical album cover. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like horrifying in a way, which I again really fits with the residents. Like it's like there's something genuinely disturbing about what they do. Maybe just because it's it's sort of like a like a like a clown type of mentality that like you know clowns are supposed to be you know happy and funny and goofy but they end up being disturbing <laughs> you know it's like they, they it's 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 like they they try so hard for one side of the coin that they get the whole thing in a way uh but it, anyway the music on duckstab was a lot it, it, this was my first listen so it was it was definitely a lot more um I don't want to say traditional, but like it, it felt like there was definitely like a um, each song had like a central idea that it was working on in a way. Yes. Uh, and you know, I, I think a big part of that is just track listing or at least the mm-hmm. track times, just because like you know if if you have like a you know I think the longest song here is yeah longest song is three minutes twenty seconds, you know, and I I feel like if you're working with that you know it's you're very limited in how much you can explore in that time yeah Um, i think that's something that that is interesting about their discography in general is when you think of like these kind of more weirder experimental bands usually they're willing to just take that you know can approach especially at that time they're willing to stretch out the track list and they they really don't do that that often i think the longest track on any of these albums was around like the seven minute mark, maybe eight. Uh, I, in not available. There were a couple ones that went over 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Well, I, I wish to correct it. But yeah, but it does. It, it's the only one I can, in the ones that we listened to that really went into that time. Yeah. Um, though I, I'm pretty sure like there are other ones that, you know, get yeah, like Eskimo. I think that the final track off of Eskimo is like over 10 minutes long. Um, but anyway, what are your thoughts on Duck Stab overall? This was my favorite, and I think part of it is definitely due to the fact that I'm a huge Primus fan. I mean, this, I got, you know, I got Primus vibes on the, you know, Meet the Resonance Not Available, but this one definitely gave me huge, specifically Brown Album vibes. Brown Album is one of the more um, kind of like... like Overlooked. It, it, it is definitely very much overlooked, but it's one of the more mid-paced, one of the more kind of subdued, in a way sinister. Like, there's a lot more slower, kind of darker, especially some of the lyrics are a lot more darker on the Brown album. And I, I got a lot of vibes here. What's on. the one with uh, My Name is Mud? Oh, that's uh, Pork I, Soda. Oh, that's what, because, like, I, I actually have never listened to Brown album, but I always think of Pork Soda when I, when I think of, like, the darker, slower side of Primus. Yeah, I, th- I think... I think that fits. Um, Brown album. I should listen to the Brown album. But. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really, it's a good album, but I think that um, it doesn't have like like the, all the other Primus albums have like at least one song. Even like Tales from the Punchbowl, I think, is overall one of their weaker albums, but it has you know Winona's Big Brown Beaver, which is you know one of their more well-known songs, um, <laughs> which is a great track title. It as is. Well. It's a great and the lyric. It's it's a really funny song. But yeah, I think that's why Duckstab resonate with me so much because you know i was already pre you know 
I had a predisposition to enjoy it because I love Primus so much. But yeah, I mean, is, you know, really... you, you open with Constantinople, you know, and it's just like, oh yeah, I know that song. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's 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 kind of like um, when you and this this is only a parallel in in kind of the 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 structure that I'm talking about, but like. I listened to a ton of melodic metalcore when I was a kid, and when I first heard At the Gate, Slaughter of the Soul, it was like a, you know, like a brain exploding moment, because like that riff pattern, like the main riff pattern of Slaughter of the Soul is like what, mo- like, name any like mid-2000s melodic metalcore band, like that's, that's what that style revolves around, is like that, you know, like the the fast, muted, melodic riffs, um, and th- yeah. this was kind of a, was kind of like a brain um brain explosion in a similar way just because like I totally saw a lot of elements of you know what Primus are going for on this album and I appreciate the like I think the aspect of their sound that bothered me the most which you know we're running out of albums so I can I can kind of spoil that commercial album I have some 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 hot takes or some thoughts there but <laughs> the aspect of their sound is like the most was the 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 kind of zaniness and the, the unhinged nature where they just kind of threw, threw out as many, um, as many ideas that could fit. I really appreciated, um, that they honed in and had some more structured ideas and they took a lot of the elements of their sound that I like and put them in kind of more or less digestible song format. And not that like I, I couldn't digest the rest of the album, you know, rest of the material they did, but I just felt like it was, it was more palatable. There was more for me to hang on, hang on to, and it wasn't like, oh, that idea is gone. Oh, wait, oh, now we're doing this now. So, I think that's that's what made it my favorite, and I really, really think that this is probably of the bunch the album I would be most likely to buy. Yeah, it's it's an interesting album. I, I there are a couple like Semolina was was a standout for me. Uh, Hello Skinny was a standout as well, but there were like, like Constantinople. Maybe it's because I'm just so used to the Primus version of it that like it, it just it had. I, I think part of it was due to the recording of it. It it, it seemed to be produced a little uh, like raggedly almost. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it it felt almost like grating at times. Not in like an annoying voice grating, but like like it almost felt like parts of it were clipping. In a way, um, which could just be, you know, maybe depending on how loud I had it or something. I, I don't really know um, because you know most of the time I there's not really like any production, you know, things going on with the resonance that, that I've been like no, like like that that like you know I I really have a reason to complain about. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, th- th- this was a fun listen, um, you know. I, it definitely, um, it's it's probably like my second favorite out of out of all these. Now that I really think about it, um, I don't really know how often I listen to this. Again, like I really love Not Available because it just it just feels like such a self contained album. Like I, w- with these other albums, like it just it kind of feels like you need to like have every other Residence album to like get it almost. Like it, like it almost feels like you need to be like in, like indoctrinated in the cult in a way, <laughs> to like to like have it work for you, uh, you know, like I, I, like I, that probably sounds a little nonsensical, 
but that, that's the best way I can describe it. It's just like it it has like this strangeness that can only be matched by its brethren. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, like I I mean you can say the same but not available. But like I feel like you could also listen to not available on its own, and and have it. You know, it like it, if somebody just told you, oh, this was like a different, like if this was like a um, almost like a Souls of Mischief type of thing, where like you know, it's it's like a side project within the group. You know, like like it would make a whole lot more sense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I um, totally feel you, and that's why I'm glad that um, you picked these specific albums, just because I I feel like I I gotta. I feel like I got a really good look at their sound because they touched on a number of different, um, and, and really these albums came out in like a six year span. I felt like each of them had its own, own distinct approach. Like I obviously there was yeah. overlap, but I think they all had their own, um, their own take on their general formula. Yeah, def- definitely there. You can definitely hear the differences. It's not like they're doing the same album every time. It's just that, like, I think the wackiness and the zaniness kind of can make it blur together, especially if you're listening to these albums within a short time span of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's it was just it, again it's it it was just a lot. It'd be like eating like really rich chocolate for like you know every course of your dinner. Like it's it's not like it's bad in itself, but it's just so much of it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. it just kind of weighs you down after a while. Um, yeah, I oh, and also I I forgot to mention earlier that I actually went to Reddit and uh, asked people uh, what they thought uh, like the best place to start with Residence was, and I I got Duckstab and the next album we're going to talk about, which is uh, the commercial album, um, as like sort of the best to start with and i you were saying that you have uh you have some 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 hot takes with the with commercial album yeah this was easily my my least favorite and it might be a little bit of kind of what you experienced in that it was the last one and you know on a a second second run through having this be the, the the kind of the cap off of these um these four and I always grapple with should I do a break between each album should I listen them back to back and I um, I usually I usually do it back to back just because on the one hand you know you, you run the risk of maybe getting a little bit you know a little bit sick of what you're listening to but on the other hand I don't want to lose like the mojo and lose my thoughts like I appreciate when you listen to stuff in sequence and then you can kind of connect the dots of like oh like you know I heard this on this album and now you know they're exploring more here um, and this I think this was just ep- the the elements of the residence that I, I don't care for as much on really full display. I mean, we're talking like grindcore level, you know, track list and song lengths, just like so, yeah. So it, well, many... except that except that's forty two minutes as opposed to like ten for a grindcore album. Yes, it's just this with so many songs, so many ideas, and it just it felt even you know, forty minutes is not really that long of an album it felt so much longer it really did it, it th- this was probably the toughest one for me to get through i think after i listened to this 
I was like, yeah, I think I'm done with the residents for tonight. <laughs> uh, yeah. like, and I just proceeded to like, I, I think I put on like a Ben Frost album or something like that just to kind of like clear my palate a little bit. And I, I, a lot of it, I think it's just because, you know, you, like you were saying, you, you know, all these ideas that they're stuffing into, you know, these songs are not bad in themselves. But considering that each song is a minute long and it feels like you're, there's a number of things going on within each song. And then you're you're multiplying it by forty. <laughs> like there are forty tracks on this fucking album. <laughs> it's it, it really is. It, it's a lot. Um, yeah. The, and that being said, there there were actually some moments on this that I really liked. Like um, the beginning of like Easter Woman uh, was really interesting. Like like while it's a lot to digest as a whole, like. I feel like each of the songs here actually offer some really interesting stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately it was just the structure of the album that was a that held me back because I, I didn't dislike any of the music on this. I mean, I, yeah. I do wish there was you know some some tracks, some ideas I liked more than others, but I didn't dislike any of them. But the ideas I really did like, you know, they were felt like they were over too soon. And in general, just the fact that there was so much music to listen to and so much, you know, so much going on, it just made it difficult to stay fully engaged the entire time. It just felt like, again, like I said, it just felt so long because, you know, you they didn't necessarily flow together. Like, you could tell when, like, one song was starting and one song was ending most of the time. So, like, okay, here's oh, yeah. another one. Here's yeah. another one. Here's another oh. And just, like, kept going on and on and on. And it just, it made it tough to really be locked in the entire time yeah i i i don't know if you've read this on wikipedia but it says that uh it says the liner notes state that the songs should be repeated three times in a row to form a pop song so so basically this thing is an hour and 20 minutes if you do that wow okay (laughs) which is yeah but um did you by any chance take a look at the personnel for this album because it's really it's really interesting because um among some people who are on this album, uh, Brian Eno, David Byrne, <laughs> but uh, Fred, Fred oh. Frith, and Chris Cutler, both of whom are from Henry Cow originally. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's really cool to see who they work with, you know, from time to time. Uh, but like, it's like, like they're really, it's it's almost like a. Um, it's almost like a cabal in a way, like the special avant-garde music cabal that, like, that they've made. Because <laughs> it's just like it—it it feels like there's a wall between us and the rest of the world, like them and the rest of the world. That's like you know, you're you're kind of you're in the club, or like as Robert De Niro says in uh, Meet the Parents, you know, you're you're in the circle of trust, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> uh, which yeah. the, there you go. I'm pulling out a Meet the Parents reference on our on our residence album. Uh, residence episode i mean (laughs) uh yeah i the like i'm in agreement with you overall just that you know it's a lot to take in uh i i think the album cover gets funnier and funnier the more i look at it though (laughs) (laughs) just especially when because i didn't notice that that it's it's travolta and barbara streisand who are actually like the faces on the cover oh it, oh one sec i gotta look at this yeah you got <laughs> but just seeing the eyes is just so funny like you know 
you gotta hand it to them. They they have made some really really memorable covers. Like especially oh, the uh, funny. the yeah. the cover for Eskimo is really it's probably the most memorable out of all of them. Um, just you know it's just really cool. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess overall, um, I, I mean I think we've already kind of gone over our thoughts overall, but um, maybe it's worth to just kind of summate this once again. Yeah, I mean, I I think this was long overdue, just in, um, in in the bands that I can hear them influencing, and just clearly the really unique place that they, you know, they hold in you know the broader broader world of experimental music. You know, I, I think you make a good point that in terms of how avant garde their music is, it might have been overstated, but and I, I certainly um, I think that that's almost a testament just how a unique approach they take i mean there's a lot of you can kind of pinpoint specific genres and ideas that they they use but they just do them in such a weird strange way and as a huge primus fan it was really cool to dive into a band that you know very obviously influenced their music to a, a, a significant degree um you know again like we've said myriad of times um i i preferred duck stab and not available just because I, I felt like it was a more focused version of their creative energy I, I think that you know meet the residents and especially commercial album the um the kind of unruly nature of their songwriting where they just kind of let every stray idea be its own song or, or just kind of um didn't didn't chop off the <laughs> the bits that maybe were a little bit weaker and 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 tightened it up I, I think that that I don't, I don't know what, what the rest of the albums are like, but I think that's the one thing that would keep me from spinning a lot of Residents in one go. Like, I can't see... Outside of this episode, I can't see myself putting on four Residents albums in a row. <laughs> in the I, 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 I think, like, I, I could conceive of a scenario where that might be possible, where just, like, if, if I was just clinging to my sanity, like, just barely, like, I could see myself putting on a bunch of Residents albums and just kind of, like cutting off from like you know my, my like all all of my uh normal senses completely and just you know embracing the embracing the void mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense uh but that being said yeah i i i have the same pretty much the same feelings just you know it it, it was an interesting ride um you know didn't mean that all the scenery was exactly you know um the most enjoyable but i think it's a ride that's worth revisiting and uh i mean again not available i i love i thought it was just really great it was so well done um you know i just it it feels like it's going to be one of those albums where you just kind of discover more and more about it Mm -hmm. so uh that's all i have frankly um I meant to watch their documentary, uh, Theory of Obscurity, but, uh, you know, as Scott knows, I we, we, I recently uh, got a new puppy, so she's kind of been taking up a lot of, of uh, time <laughs> during the day, so, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you forgot to watch it, because just now I remembered that we were going to watch yeah. it once you said that. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I said last week, I was like, you know, if, you know, if you remember it, you know, 
And, Which and I, I mean, I, I did not. <laughs> I guess I, yeah, I mean, because I, I, I do want to watch it at some point because um, I don't know if you've ever looked at the people who show up in it, but like Matt Groening, like creator of The Simpsons, show, is is a big Residents fan apparently. No. Um, yeah, which kind of isn't surprising given how much of a fan he is of like Beefheart and Zappa. So, um, but <laughs> yeah, they like uh, Penn Jillette of you know Penn and Teller fame is in it. Um, Les Claypool is obviously in it. How could it not? How could he not be? <laughs> um, yeah. So I I, I want to give it uh, I a list uh, like a watch at some point. Uh, I actually tried to watch it um, a while ago. I think it was at the beginning of uh, of COVID. I was trying to watch it, and I just it. I think maybe just because I hadn't heard any Residence albums, that I, it just didn't click with me. So I stopped it after about ten minutes. Um, in any case, though, do you want to talk about albums of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a little bit of a. A binge this week. I just I pulled out all my. I think I have most of them on. There's only a few that I have on CD. Being uh, uh, Mayhem, I have you know all their stuff on, uh, except for the new one, which I think is really really okay, but not great. Um, Wh- which band? I I didn't hear you keep cutting out on me. Oh, so. uh, yeah. Mayhem. Oh, okay. I, I, that's what I thought you said. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, the, the new the new one is is really just is is okay, not fantastic. Um, I even thought Esoteric Warfare, which came out in I think twenty fourteen, that was a like a, a better late career album than I think it was called what? Damon. It's like the, oh the, right right the the one yeah. that came out last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what's the one that you thought had really bad production? Was that oh, Esoteric Warfare? It was uh, Ordo Ad Caio, and, and they, they made a point oh, of saying, right. like, oh, this is our rawest album in year. And it certainly was their rawest album. It wasn't a good thing, but it definitely it definitely <laughs> were, was successful in being... Yeah, like, they made a big thing of, like, you know, only the... Especially, specifically, like, you don't hear it as much on the guitars, but the, the way that they produce the drums, just every time you hit, the, like, the kick drums, or especially the toms, it just swallows everything. Like, however they recorded those, it just sounds terrible. Um, yeah. But actually, the album I want to spotlight is one that is often um, considered their worst, and I totally disagree. It is a Grand Declaration of War. Um, so this was a, a weird... It was a weird split in their career where they, you know, they had the weird gap between their early, you know, De Mysterio De Dom Satanis because of everything that happened with you know, Varg and, and Euronymous and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, it was a little bit of a gap. They came back with uh, Wolf Lair's Abyss, which was kind of like a, a precursor to Grand Declaration. It was a little bit more in line with their later stuff in terms of, of how they approached kind of straightforward black metal. But Grand Declaration, I think it really only gets grief because there's some like kind of weird spoken word stuff that happens, but especially there's like a there's like a straight up trip hop track that I think is really cool, and the way that it's placed in the album it fits, like it feels like an interesting interlude, especially because I have it on vinyl and it closes out one of the sides, so it's kind of like an interesting closeout. But this is some of their best riffs, some of their best songwriting, you know, just in general, it's it's a really 
There's plenty of fast moments. They, they, it's a little bit more dynamic. The album that came after this, Chimera, was definitely... I mean, you never know what's inside a band's head, but it felt like a reactionary album because it just was straightforward, blast beat heavy black metal. And I think they were trying to like rein in their fans. But I really like the adventurous, you know, adventurous ideas they tried out on Grand Declaration of War. They've never really gotten back to that. They kind of settled into a a kind of straightforward groove, which is which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that I think that metal fans can be a little on they, they it's interesting how metal fans, like on the one hand they don't want bands to get stale, but they don't like too much experimentation. Like it's a yeah. there's a really weird, weird, like almost impossible middle ground to hit. Like after a while, they'd be like, "Oh, this just you know they're just kind of like they're in a rut. They're like the ACDC of you know insert extreme metal genre here." But then if they do anything too crazy, it's like, "Oh wow, this sucks! Like this is terrible! Like they need to go back to their roots." So I don't know. Like <laughs> I appreciate when bands try something. I mean, clearly they're you know like you know Morbid Angel, um, where it, it doesn't really yeah. work out. Um, but but you know. but even that album, like, didn't you say that like you don't even think that album is as bad as as people make it out to be? No, there are some. I think the problem is is that the, the the songs with like industrial, like the industrial metal tracks, are really bad. Like they just they they do a really bad job of the you know the experimental side of their sound. What was odd is that the entire album doesn't sound like that. There's some like just straightforward death metal songs on it, like some like actual. Um, yeah, I think David Vincent, their original singer and bass player, came back for that album. Then then he left. Um, um, yeah. For, you know, for whatever reason, but um, yeah, like there are some. Even the second track, it's weird. It's not even buried in the track list. Like the first song is really bad, but then after that, it just sounds like vintage Morbid Angel with like better production. It's not like it's not as good as some some of the stuff they wrote on you know Covenant or anything like that. But it's still decent. Um, but I think that just people. Get, I mean, this is the same thing, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up something that. Um, I think we did on Unpopular Music Opinions like a while back, but I actually, I think Lulu is, is, I don't want to say underrated, but I think it's unfairly rated just because the way people talk about Lulu, it's, it's clear that they haven't, like some of the criticisms of Lulu don't make sense if you've heard the entire album. Like, especially yeah. it's a two C, like on the second CD, Metallica barely, like James Hetfield barely sings. Like if you didn't know Metallica was on it, you would have no idea that they were the, the metal band on there. So I think that, you know, some of the criticisms of, of albums like that, they're just kind of really easy to pile onto. People don't give it a, like, they give it a cursory listen and they just assume. But it, it's kind of it's kind of hard with, um, like, Morbid Angel specifically, because that album just starts out on such a bad note. So I guarantee a ton of people, like, heard the lead single or whatever, or, like, heard the first track and, like, nope, fuck this, and just kind of <laughs> moved on. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think with Grand Declaration, it's it definitely is a huge jump from where the band were from, especially because they they were like a, you know, one of the original black metal bands and, you know, it came out in 2000. So at the time it was still very, like each album was in events and like, you couldn't really like, it was still fresh and new. Like when I discovered mayhem, I had, you know, a, a, a ton of material to listen to, you know, at my leisure. But this was like a band that was one of the innovators of black metal coming out with like a, avant-garde black metal album with trip-hop elements so i'm sure at yeah. that time it was like what the fuck is this so but yeah i mean <laughs> i think i think it's a great it's one of my favorites in their discography 
um, it was really fun to re-listen to all their old material, and and I um, I think at some point I'll try to get it all on vinyl. There's a few albums. Um, it's funny though. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot, but my my last point is this that one? it was funny that they they announced at one point that they were reissuing and remastering one of their albums, and I was like, I was assuming it was gonna be Order by Kyle because that album sounds terrible, but they remix remastered Grand Declaration of War, which already sounded fine, but yeah, so like sometimes like. You know, it's, I mean, I think production is just another element of art that it's, it's kind of up to the person's, you know, listener's opinion of, yeah. if, you know, if it sounds bad, you know, like for instance, uh, you know, Anthony Fantano in his recent review of uh, the new Deftones album, you know, he was criticizing, you know, like heavily, like, you know, parts of Diamond Eyes that were just, he felt like the whole thing was like overly compressed and things like that. And, uh, I mean, like, maybe, but I, I, I don't think it sounded bad, personally. Yeah. But, it, you know, and you can see this throughout music history. I mean, the the biggest example I can think of is uh, the Stooges album, Raw Power, which is, like, such a controversial production that, like, there are actually two different mixes of the albums that exist now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's just interesting to see how like you know sometimes artists don't see that part of it because maybe it's like intentional like um like, like i've heard that that cherry bomb like the tire of the creator album is pretty abrasive when it comes yes. to its production yeah um you know but one could argue that that was kind of his intention so you know when it comes to that part of it it's like does it become good then because it's intentional or what you know yeah, um, that's always it's, tough it's, because it's it's like you know, can you fault someone if like that's what they meant to do? But at the same time, like, does that does that give them like like a an overarching shield that they can just say like, oh, yeah. that sounds bad. Well, I meant to, I meant for it to be bad. It's like, oh, yeah, it's, okay. Well, what, where do we go I from know, here? It, it, it's it's definitely um it's it's a mind fuck in a way if you decide to go down that route. Um, you know, because, you know, I think at the end of the day, I don't really think it matters either way. It's like, you know, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of, uh, my album of the week is a uh, recent buy that I got from uh, Squidco, out of all places. Um, it is called The Whole Moon Rests in a Dewdrop on the Grass. And it is a collaboration between uh, Ken Ikeda and Eddie Provost. Uh, and it's a free improvisation album. It feels like it verges more into like a sound art type of territory because uh, Ikeda does all like electronics where Prevost does a lot of, um, he will pretty much, I, I think he does like um, bowed percussion basically on this okay. album that like he, he'll take a cymbal or like he'll, you know, he's like pieces of metal and just run a bow over it. Um, and sort of use that. And so I, I had to turn this thing way loud just to even be able to hear it. So it, it kind of has like an AEI, uh, EAI type of feel to it almost in that way. Okay. Um, but it was a really interesting listen. It, it just, you know, it, it's it's something I've always been interested in personally is just like that idea of using sound for almost its own sake in a, in a sense that like you're not focusing on some sort of 
music like you know compositional direction it's all it's improvised to such a degree that it feels like it's like like sort of the artificial equivalent of like a nature recording if that makes any sense mm-hmm. um yeah it was just it was a really cool listen i i can't wait to put it on at some point in the future uh i i have so many cds coming in so that that probably won't be anytime soon but yeah. uh <laughs> still um yeah that was it was a cool listen i'm really glad uh you know squidco had that album around um i just remember they actually had a free album that that you could get on cd if you wanted and i completely forgot to add it to my cart <laughs> oh, no. and i was actually really looking forward to it too because it's uh this henry kaiser album that's all um solo guitar improvisation uh, that uses like all these like pedals that I, I actually have um, <laughs> funnily enough so oh, uh, yeah that would have been cool to listen to but um, I, I'll, I'll just have to buy it some other time so nice. well, that sounds all right really cool. yeah yeah I, I, I highly recommend it I highly recommend just people go to Squidco they're a really good company uh, they, they really know their music so uh, yeah all right well, have a good week. Um, we will not be ne- here next week. Uh, Scott's on his honeymoon, so um, we will talk to you the week after that. Yeah, we we have a really fun uh, fun episode. I'm looking forward to when we get back. So yeah, did stay tuned. All right, but bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.